book of Haggai. During my talk, we're going to read the whole of the book of Haggai, all of it, which is why my watch is there. Wonderful. Well, look, are you at a low ebb? Has the tide of your faith gone out and are you marooned and not able to move on? Do you feel disheartened? Are you struggling to find enthusiasm in your Christian walk? Have you been affected by the bereavements during COVID and afterwards? The broken bones in our fellowship? The medical issues? Those who have not returned to meeting with us following COVID? The news that Shoemaker's Bookshop may close? appeal for volunteers for Bus of Hope, CTNA. Coins needing a new injection of uh, volunteers. The youth cafe, so busy but needing volunteers. It just seems that everything's a struggle. But the book of Haggai recognises that humanly we can be at a low ebb and we can struggle. The Jewish nation who've returned from exile in Babylon and they return to Jerusalem and Judah with a feeling of exhilaration and now our life can start again has become burdened. The temple has started to be rebuilt but there's opposition. There's political intrigue Drought, famine, failed harvests, and just a sense of, we're just not getting anywhere. We're going to read all of the book of Haggai. 37 short verses. It will take us seven minutes to read. I know someone read it this morning. Well done, Catherine. And as we read and we listen, we're just reminded of these eternal, eternal truths. The truths of God's love for his people, for each one of us here. God's eternal desire to be with his people and to live with his people and to be at the heart of their community. We're reminded of God's sovereignty, his position of power above all gods and we're reminded of our calling to be faithful to this God our calling to witness to this God and to worship this God and to serve this God so I think this morning this message from the book of Haggai is the right message at the right time for us And of course, it really continues a message that I gave in October 2020. Oh, I remember that one. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. There's probably a copy of it on the web somewhere, almost certainly. And we were looking at the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And this return from exile into the land of Judah. And we looked at the governor, Zerubbabel, 
the man whose name means born in Babylon. The high priest Joshua, or Jeshua, as it's written in the book of Haggai, of those workers, Ezra and Nehemiah, and this prophet Haggai, who was there at the right time. They were there to rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the temple, and to place God right at the heart of their community. But we know that work suffered. They rebuilt the altar, and there were songs of praise. Ezra writes, He is good, talking of God. His love for the people of Israel endures forever. It's a time of great wonderfulness. And then oppression. There was disputes with the Samaritan people. There was political letters going backwards and forwards. Who gave you the right to rebuild this temple, we read? Hopelessness, apathy, oppression affected all of the people. The work rebuilding the temple stalled for many, many years. The people suffered with droughts and storms. I blew away the things you brought back from exile, we'll read. The families are becoming introverted, looking after their own needs, building their own houses, panelling the walls of their house, and not doing God's work. These people forgot to invite God into their lives. So it's a story of God's people needing encouragement, a story of God's people needing that oomph that God can provide for them, the strength that God promised them. And let's have a quick look before we start reading of the style of this prophecy. Now, many of the prophecies that we've heard, uh, if you listened to Steve last week, you know, there's uh, writing, recognising the sins, calling out the wrongdoings of people, promising kind of, you know, hell and damnation if you're not following God's work, and really a sense of judgment. None of that occurs in Haggai. There's very little poetry, there's no, um, you know, there's no... Um, no difficult kind of parables and things for us to understand. The very easy, simple read. It's a short book and we can all remember it today. In my studies, in the Hebrew in which it was written, there are many, many jokes, puns, play on words that are just lost to us in our translation. But if you're motivated to learn Hebrew, that would be a great reason to do it, to get those, those jokes. But there's some helpful context, okay? So Haggai, his name means festal, connected to a festival. And maybe he was born during one of the many festivals and was given the name Haggai. Much like in contemporary world, someone born on Christmas Day might be given the name Noel. Okay, um, so it means born during a festival, but actually every one of the prophecies that we're going to read about occur on a festival or on an anniversary in the Jewish people. So we can think of this book of Haggai being a book of four prophecies delivered on festivals or on anniversaries, and, and you'll see that as we go through. Well, 
how do we know that one of these prophecies was given on the, at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles? Well, in the book, we've got time stamped. Everything is kind of marked out with a time stamp. So we might see um, on the 21st day of the seventh month in the second year of the reign of Darius, time stamped. And that helps us to place it on a particular occasion. And um, knowing the, the background, the timing, uh, must be relevant in God's word. And I'll draw out those, um, you know, those relevancies as we go through. I think it's quite important to have these timestamps as, uh, as we read a book. Another overwhelming thing, you can't fail to notice it if you read the book, is just the number of references to God and the sovereign God. Um, and 37 verses, and I counted 19 references to God. Um, here's one. Uh, don't worry about putting this up, guys. I'll, I'll, um, I'll read this in a bit. Uh, chapter 2, verse 4. But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. The Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you peoples of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. And we have this cadence of the Lord, the Lord Almighty, all the way through this, um, uh, this book of um, prophecies. And I can imagine students of um, you know, the, the Bible sitting down, reading this book together, and all echoing, says the Lord, says the Lord Almighty. Um, and it, the whole book is punctuated with these references. It just reminds us of God in heaven, in the temple, and his sovereignty, his kind of working with the people. So in this book, we're just about to read it, we learn of God's promise of blessings to his people. We learn of God's desire to be present with his people. We learn of his words of encouragement to his people, to stir up his people to continue the work building the temple and to dwell amongst his people. We learn of God's desire to restore the, or to bring about the messianic kingdom and at the end we have a promise of the Messiah to come and God to be a blessing to all nations. Okay, so let's read the book together and I'm going to start with chapter 1, verse 1, the first prophecy of Haggai. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, or Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house, the temple, remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. 
Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home from exile, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because my house which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine, the oil and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle and on the labour of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord, their God, had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Jeroboam, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. So that's the first prophecy address announcement of Haggai. God desires to be with his people. And we can think of this first prophecy in the context of Genesis, the book of Genesis. So this is the second year of King Darius, the first day of the second month. So this is the first day of a new month. It's the lunar new year. It's a time of, uh, of a festival for the Jewish people. It would also be the, um, towards the end of the harvest. And we read in the address about the poor harvest and the drought that they've been suffering. And when we think about the new moon and kind of you know, new beginnings, we think of Genesis, we think of God's position in creation. And all through that book of Genesis, we understand about God's desire to be with his people. He reveals himself to Abraham. He makes his um, Abrahamic covenant with the people and he will be their God. And that God is the eternal God and he still desires to be with his people. And he will be with his people through the temple. God will live in the temple and be amongst his people. So the Lord speaks to his people through Haggai and urges them to reconsider their ways. 
You know, that, that list of failings, the droughts and the failed harvests and the wind, these are the Deuteronomic curses which are given in the book of Deuteronomy about what happens if you do not obey the Lord your God. So the people who have returned from exile are experiencing uh, those things that were promised in the book of Deuteronomy. The outcome of this address on the 21st of September, so like three weeks later, three weeks after uh, the address of uh, Haggai, is that the work begins. And I think humanly we all put off doing things. We know we've got a task to do and we kind of delay and we delay. And God here through Haggai has given his people a little nudge and they do start work. Maybe three weeks late, but they get down to it. And is there something in your life that God is nudging you to start? Some unfinished work that uh, you need to complete? But the outcome here of the people putting God first is the end of the um, prophecy is, I am with you says God. It's an echo from the book of Genesis. I am with you. So the work starts and the people know that God is with them in this starting of the work. Okay, the second prophecy. Well, can you guess what's happened? Can you guess what's happened? The work started. Let's go. Like, God, yeah, we're on your side. Let's get going. And then they realise the magnitude of the task ahead of them. So here's here's the second (laughs) prophecy. Uh, It's uh, chapter 2. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you that is left saw this house in its former glory. How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you peoples of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord. Almighty, this is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains with you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Uh, And those of you who are uh, classical music fans will know the Messiah, Handel's Messiah. And here is the, uh, the verses from Haggai in the Messiah. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Well, 
Second year, seventh month, 21st day. October the 17th, and it's during the Feast of the Tabernacles. So this is the festival when the Jewish nation remember the difficulties of the, those who were fleeing from um, Egypt, and they were living in the wilderness, depending fully on God's provision for um, their needs, living in shelters made of branches. So I think it's hugely relevant that this second address occurs in that feast, and it's reminding those rebuilding the temple that God will provide. The gold is mine and the silver is mine, we read. And however much work looks to be ahead, however they look at the foundations and think, we've got so much to do, God is promising to provide, just like God promised to provide to the nation of Israel during the Exodus. So if you think of this second address, think of the second book of the Bible, Exodus and um, the, uh, the address that Moses gave to his people. The Lord speaks and promises to us that he will provide for the work. And that's why I'm not too concerned about how many adult helpers we have here on a Friday evening for Youth Cafe because God will provide and we can trust in his faithfulness for that. So what was the outcome of this second address? Well, the address ends with, I will grant peace. Uh, In other translations, I will give you strength. So what the people need as they suffer from this, oh, we've got so much to do, is God speaks to them and us and says, I will provide what you need. And the glory of this temple will be greater than the glory of the first temple. What an astounding promise of God that these people will be rebuilding a temple which will be greater and more glorious than the temple of Solomon. So, of course, the people are inspired to continue their work. And whatever you're going through, however ill-equipped you feel to face what you're facing in your life, We can trust in that promise that was made to the nation in the wilderness, to this exiled return in Jerusalem, and to us. God will meet his promises and will provide for us. Now, we may not see humanly the glory of the second coming when Christ and the new Jerusalem fill this earth. We might not see that humanly, but we know that promise is made and we can Expect that promise to be fulfilled. So time moves on. The work continues after these little setbacks. And we get to the three-month anniversary of the work starting. And there's a problem which God wants to address. So this is chapter 2. And I'm starting from verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests 
So this is an address to the priests. What the law says. If a person carries consecrated meat in the fold of his garment and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, oil or other food, does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, the stew, some bread or wine or oil, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, so it is with these people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer, there is defiled. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on one another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came with a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw measures, 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight and mildew and hail, yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now the vine and the tree fig, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. Mm, Well, Mark has a bit of scratching the head over the last few weeks while I've been looking at this. Because it's like, what? Where did that come from? This is a parable. God recognises that the heart of his people rebuilding the temple isn't in it. Okay? They're doing what's been commanded, but they've been defiled. They're not being honest with one another. They're not doing this for the good of God, but because they kind of feel an obligation. They're defiled because they're, they're apathetic to the work. They're, they're not, their hearts are not in it. And so how can the temple, which will be greater than the previous temple be constructed by people who are just going through the motions by people who are not being honest and fair with one another who are still looking after the needs of their families and possibly we don't know but taking things from the temple and using it to rebuild their houses so these people are working with an apathetic heart with injustice uh, with impurity And God wants his temple to be pure and holy and constructed by people who are being faithful to the Lord's promises. You know, don't we sing, I choose to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. And that's what God wants for his people. He wants them to do his work in an honest, holy, faithful way. And as we think about holiness and, you know, cleanliness and defilement, we can reflect back into the book of Leviticus. That's the third book of the Bible, third address from Haggai, when we read about ritual holiness. And with that ritual holiness, 
Again, what are the last words of the address? From this day on, I will bless you, declares the Lord. So this third prophecy reminds us of God's blessing on his people. And we're asked to be holy, set apart, to do God's work with a right spirit and a right heart. The fourth prophecy is the shortest, and this is chapter 2, verse 20. And this occurs on the same day as the previous prophecy. Did I mention that that was a time of sowing seeds, a time of expectation for the future? And it's the third anniversary of the work start. It's the third month anniversary of the work starting. Chapter 2, verse 20. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, that I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overturn chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord. For I have chosen you. So this signet ring is a sign of God's authority, and that's going to be given to Governor Zerubbabel, who will become the king. And he will be part of that promise that God made to David, King David, that through his line will be a line of kings. And in that line will come the Messiah King, the, the king of kings, the long-awaited leader of the nation of Israel. So this address is given to Zerubbabel. So God is going to fulfill his promise that he made to David. And he will, God will establish a great king from the line of David. And of course in Haggai's time, that king will be King Zerubbabel. But God's work is not finished. This is only three months into rebuilding the temple There'll be another four years before the temple is complete. God's work is not finished, not finished with this new king, but another king will come. And that king will be a great king from the line of David. Faithfulness and obedience to what God has done, to what God is doing. And what God will continue to do. You know, God has chosen us, us in this building, to work for his purpose in the world. And if we do that with faithfulness and trusting in the Lord's promises and with holy hearts, we can be part of that amazing, amazing kingdom. And I hope that will motivate us into action for God's plan 
I hope that that will motivate us to seeing the kingdom of God come. And we look forward to that time when our Messiah, Jesus Christ, returns to this world and restores his kingdom. Steve read from Psalm 24 earlier on. It's a song or a psalm of entering into the temple, coming into God's promises and recognizing God's greatness and his sovereignty and just coming into his presence. And the book of Haggai inspired the people of the time and us to remain faithful, to remain faithful and to build God's kingdom. And as he promised, in God's time, Jesus Christ, our Saviour, the Messiah King, will come again. And that King will be known as Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God being with us. And he will be and is the Saviour of the world. As I close, four things to remember. God says to you, right here, right now, I am with you. God says, I will grant you peace. I will give you strength. God says, I will bless you. I will bless your work. And I have chosen you declares the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, what an astounding, amazing thing that you have chosen each one of us to build your kingdom. That you place that trust in us to do that work. Father God, give us holy hearts. Let us set ourselves apart to do your work. Let us trust in your provision, in your blessings, and that you will give us the strength to complete that work. And in all things, we know, Father God, that you are with us through the blood and body of your Son, Jesus Christ, and through your Spirit who dwells in each one of us. Heavenly Father, what an amazing thing. We thank you for this word. In the name of Jesus. Amen.